Welcome back to Normies Like Us, where we've got a story for you. Well, everybody's got a story, don't they? But this is the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. And there's just three rules you need to know about this podcast. First of all, you got to leave a comment, rating, or review. Second, never, ever complain about the host's opinions. But the most important rule, the rule you can never forget, no matter how much you cry, no matter how much you beg, never ever turn off this podcast happy holidays we're talking gremlins on normies like us you're gonna like this has it got a name dad i just call him gizmo don't ever feed him after midnight that's how i found out there was no santa claus You heard it up top. We have a mischievous little episode for you this week because that's right. We're talking about the ones, the only, the gremlins Ooh, here on Normies Like Us with your host, uh, old Mr. Colin coming down in my little electric wheelchair slidey thing. <laughs> uh, Mikey P- Pimsler or whatever. <laughs> and this is... Uh... Gizmo. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. I don't like mm. that. <laughs> mm. The best gremlin, Gizmo. You don't want to yeah, know right. what my special bit is. <laughs> you're not no, going to like it. <laughs> right, you right, have right. a mohawk, too, like Stripe, but <laughs> yes. uh, you're as mischievous as Gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But, yeah, we're here um, talking gremlins. Uh, you know, it's, it's a two-movie series, but we're kind of focusing on, you know, holiday seasons here. You know, we always like to do a holiday kind of theme or we'll do a series of movies. Today, we're just doing the old holiday gremlins uh, set during Christmas. But I wanted to point out that uh, this is actually kind of on brand because, you know, we've done Harry Potter throughout the holidays before. And again, this is penned by uh, Chris Columbus. Uh, director of the first couple of Harry Potters. So there's a little bit of a historical normies like us DNA uh, yeah. with this one. Yeah, for sure. Mike, we have kicked around in our spooktobers of like, do we do gremlins now? Is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? And, and these two films kind of enter that territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, first one, the ultimate holiday movie in my opinion and i am very excited to be talking about it we've gotten past the the generation i think maybe five years ago there was a big push for oh die hard's the best christmas movie or most underrated you know kind of uh you know black sheep christmas movie or something or you know dark horse favorite but i i've always felt like gremlins is been one of my favorites that most people overlook so i'm really excited to revisit it but i want to ask you guys you know is this uh, a holiday favorite of one you watched growing up did you you know watch the gremlins before you know jacob is this something that you were into growing up or what um for me no not really because i really never saw gremlins all the way through i mean i knew through sort of cultural osmosis and things like that i've seen parts of it so i knew the rules and, and different things like that but I had never seen it all the way through. Kind of a p- cultural blind spot for me, if you will. Um, okay. So I'm very excited to talk about it because I watched it for the first time this weekend. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Colin? I'm, yeah, I'm excited to dig into Jacob's first time th- th- all the way through viewing. Mm-hmm. But uh, this, 
it became a classic through unlikely odds in that my brother and I were very scared of horror movies. We we've talked about in Spooktobers. We didn't watch mm-hmm. the slashers of the world. You know, we didn't watch the Michael movies growing up, but early teens, probably maybe 12 or 13, we had come home from school, done our normal afternoon routine of throwing on channel 50 comedy central for the uh, midday matinee. I don't know if you guys remember that they would show a movie in the middle of the day, right? You'd catch the end as you'd come home from school. Mm-hmm. Um, holiday season, they would get national lampoon. They'd get Scrooged and then they'd get gremlins and we threw it on. And I think it was that moment of like, Ooh, is this about to be too scary? And I remember it perfectly. It was the mom scene where she's fighting them off. Oh yeah. She's doing the microwave. She's doing down the disposal. She's ended up throwing them in the fireplace. Yep. And the survival of that Mike and the fact that she wasn't like a slasher victim. I legit remember my brother again, like 15 years old turning to me and being like, Oh, these are like, fun adventure monster movies. And I'm pretty sure we went to Blockbuster that night and rented it. And since then, it's been like a a holiday classic. And I love Gizmo. I've got a bunch of Gizmo stuff. Oh, yeah. He's a cute little adorable guy. So I I don't know. How about you, dude? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, Grogu who, right? (laughs) You know, get out of here. The original, you know, cute little big eared guy. I think Joe Dante Mm. even said, hey, this Grogu seems like it's a blatant ripoff of what we did. Right. Um, And never count a wet mic. No, no, he doesn't like unless it's uh, that. uh, Don't feed him ever. Well, he'll he'll steal eggs that he shouldn't be eating. Feed him frog eggs. And then never. Yeah. Never count out Lynn Peltzer. You know, we have a Ripley and Lynn Peltzer, some of the greatest uh, heroines of the 80s uh, monster flicks. Right. Um, Right. But yeah, I love this movie. I, I watched it when I was a kid, like, you know, young, probably younger than, than you guys. But I grew up with Gremlins and it's it's right up my alley of, uh, you know, practical effects, you know, um, Jim yeah. Henson, all that kind of stuff. I'm a big sucker for that. So I, I don't know if just my parents were also into that and this just came down the pipeline or if I had expressed interest. Like I get more stuff with crazy puppets. But either way, mm. this is right, you know, in my wheelhouse is stuff that I really like. And there's a lot of clever right movie magic going on with it so so i appreciate the craft just as much as kind of the film itself i adore this movie so thanks for talking about it with me yeah Hell yeah um to what colin was saying uh it's interesting because is it a you know it's a hard to classify what genre this movie is right is it a horror movie is it a comedy is it a christmas movie i would mm. say yes it is but <laughs> to all it's kind of all of that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> But when I was watching it, so I didn't know every detail. You know, I knew the basic plot of this beforehand. I didn't know quite how violent it would get to to where the mom is just, you know, murdering these things with a blender and a microwave. And a microwave, and, but then, yeah. You know, and but then, you know, I'm seeing that. I am getting scared, Jacob. But the next scene is the gremlins at a movie theater, one smoking a cigarette, and he's talking to a hand puppet. Like, what do you think of those tone shifts? Well, first of all, obviously they're sentient beings, so it you know, calls into the <laughs> morality of just murdering them. Oh, no. Oh, wow. But I guess they are evil, but it seems like the mom is very quick to just start murking them. When well, they, 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 they do aggress first, and they are in her house. They got yeah. those claws, yeah. yeah. And they kill the, the green, uh, the green scare. Right, but she doesn't know the science teacher. No. Um, but, yeah, I love the gremlins. I love the mogwais. I love the design of them all. Uh and yeah, like you said, great practical effects, uh, puppetry. Um, it's great. 
Ah, all right. Let's let's dive in. Let's talk about it. Let's break some rules. Let's get wet. Let's eat. Let's shine some lights because we're going to be talking. Oh my God, gremlins! We're going to talk Mogwise, but mainly we're going to talk Gremlins here on Normies mm-hmm. Like Us. Again, it's our little holiday episode. Uh, we're talking a cool Christmas movie directed by Joe Dante, 1984. Just a quick thing to say. I pointed out before, this film kind of wouldn't exist if in 1982, a different little animatronic monster named E.T. the Extraterrestrial didn't come out and prove to studio executives that you could make a movie starring teenagers, kids that had actual plots that weren't just Billy loses his dog family movie, get the adventure back. But how do we come to make this particular movie, Mike? Yeah. So, so kind of the brief history of how this was developed. Um, as I mentioned up top, it was written by Christopher Columbus and, you know, the way he tells it, he was living in New York, you know, it was Discovered a shitty America. apartment. Yeah. And he says, uh, Oh, I would sleep and then I'd wake up. It was Columbus up. Day. It was Columbus Day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his father was dressed up as Columbus coming down the chimney, you know, as they do. Uh, but he said, like, uh, he'd wake up at night and, like, a mouse would be running past his hand. So, he had this fear of, like, little little creatures getting at you. Just this little, little guys, right? So, um, he started writing the script kind of about gremlins and the legends of little monsters and World War II planes and stuff. And he writes this script and uh, it started out, like, a lot darker. Like, it, it did start out as mm-hmm. horror. Like, at one point... Uh, Billy's mom, she gets her head cut off and they roll it down the stairs when he comes home. Like it's, it's very dark, but uh, Spielberg catches wind of this script and it's like, yeah, I like a lot of what you have, but let's push it a little more family friendly. So it kind of goes that direction. And then Joe Dante gets roped in uh, after doing the howling and piranha, which is like a, you know, parody of jaws. So he's kind of got those chops and uh, right guy for the job. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so, so kind of Spielberg has this more, um, let's say mainstream blockbuster sensibility because he created it and he starts to kind of apply that to this pretty clever script that I think uh, Chris Columbus wrote and it kind of becomes more of a family friendly satire. But uh, this and um, can't remember the other movie, but there's two movies uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, but they, they created the PG 13 rating basically because it was like, Oh, uh, there's one other one. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, correct? Temple of Doom. A oh, Temple, of, Temple Doom. of Doom. Yeah, Kalima. Yeah, you, you got yeah. it. So, so those two um, kind of gave us PG thirteen, but that's kind of where 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 we how we got to yeah, the Gremlins. It's dark. Mm-hmm. You can definitely see the Spielberg influence where it's like it's got the Spielberg feel to it, but it's also just a little bit darker. And I think that's the Joe Dante of it. And Joe Dante, he's kind of uh, zany too. Like he adds that zaniness and that darkness. Uh, yeah, that Looney Tunes. I mean, he even made a Looney Tunes movie. Yeah, Jacob, we have talked about um, John Carpenter so much on this podcast, but Joe Dante, John Carpenter, a little bit with Zemeckis and Spielberg. But these guys who came up in that generation are these 50s culture worshipers. And there comes with it that sort of corniness and sort of inherent kind of goofiness and zaniness. And that's a lot like a lot in this movie. Right. Yeah. Right. And like, so, you know, the gremlins concept from World War II, which they kind of go over in the movie, that was a real thing where, you know, 
when something went wrong on the plane or something, they would blame gremlins in the engine. And you Do you remember guys remember? Were you about Twilight to say the fame? Oh, I was going to say the famous Bugs Bunny cartoon. Oh. Do you remember that one where he's interacting with a gremlin on a ship? No, I don't remember that. Which I was the Looney say Tune the, goes uh, back to Joe Dante, but yeah, it hit the Twilight yeah. Zone. The Twilight Falcon Zone X, yes. episode starring our guy, William Shatner, where he goes on a plane, sees a little gremlin out on the wing. There's a gremlin. He's trying on to convince people that he's out there. No one believes him. Classic episode of Twilight Zone, of course. The George Miller Twilight Zone movie version with John Lithgow, where it's a gigantic ape basically on the wing. Right. Very scary. Yeah. I've seen that one as well. Um, but it's also like you you mentioned, Colin, this, everyone, they're like 50s heads, right? They all kind of grew up on even George Lucas. Like he loved the serials, Flash Gordon stuff. Yeah. And even like you know, this is kind of like a a fable in the vein of It's a Wonderful Life, right? You know, totally. there, there's some elements of that we have, you know, instead of Mr. Potter, we have, you know, the, the lady who wants to take yes. everybody's houses. Well, they've, um, been wa- they've been watching It's a Wonderful Life on TV at one point, and they're watching The Blob. There's a lot yeah, of like, Gizmo movie loves references. movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's t- touch on some of these influences references before we get into the plot, because it is very much like those 50s, and those are a lot of out of the, uh, you know, the Cold War stuff, you know, Invasion totally. of the Body Snatchers, things like that. Um, and it, yeah. it's like that, like small town comes under siege by by a, a outside totally. threat, you know, or some strange paranormal thing. So it's pulling on that. Yeah. Uh, and vibe. it's interesting because all these 80s guys, they were kind of, you know, in love with the 50s. Nowadays, we as a culture are in love with the 80s. So it's like nostalgia it, is on yeah. this cycle, right? It's here's the vicious truth for our generation, Jacob. Everybody is in love with the time when they were in their 20s. And when we were in our 20s, yeah, yeah, but I would mainly say when you were like, I'm virile, I'm a stuff like Mm -hmm. I want to go back to that time. And for us, it's like, when was that? It's like, well, we were in another Iraq war. It's like the world was like never more tense than it ever was. Like we kind of our generation kind of lost nostalgia for a different time period and has, as you said, just honed in on the 80s to be like, that was the last time it was good. Right. But yeah. not even the real 80s, more just an yes. idealized movie 80s. 80s. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. Gremlins. <laughs> right. And Spielberg and all the all yeah. these guys are kind of the yeah. Amblin. I mean, to say again the ET of it all, you know, again mm-hmm. in 1982, you have the Amblin touch of a prosthetic little monster running around. Mm-hmm. And the difference is, and why I love Gizmo so much more is I don't want E.T. to touch me or for me to touch him. I would yeah, love to pick up my crazy looking, yeah. He's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I like E.T. the movie, but yeah, the design of that creature, was he was scary for me. He was scarier to me than the gremlins. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least I can sure. they were yeah. evil. I, I can't read E.T., man. Especially when he's yeah. all white and dying. That was scary. Oh, oh no. Get uh, away from me. <laughs> the, the, mog, the design of the Mogwais, there's nothing gross about it. They're just cute, cuddly, furry little guys. When they're eating mm-hmm. sticky food, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they're the bad ones. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, little was bad very boys. cute. Yes. Um, the, the word Mogwai, it is it does come from, uh, you know, Chinese folklore. I think Cantonese word. And it's basically just translates like devil or little you know demon guy so you know it's kind of roughly basing on something but not exactly but the mogwai the word is not made up right it it comes from kind of cantonese um and yeah uh we get a 
That's where we get our little guy. And Spielberg well, wanted him have... to be the sidekick. In the original script, Gizmo right. becomes Stripe, and it's yes, a whole thing. Yes, becomes yeah. a good the one villain. That you can root Ridiculous. for throughout the movie. That yeah, totally, so Spielberg's totally very smart to make that call. Um, I do have a lot of questions regarding the rules of the Mogwais and mm-hmm. the Gremlins. Uh, maybe we can get into that a little bit. List them um, off, dude. Go through. <laughs> what are the rules? Well, uh, so, of course, you have... Uh, you know, direct sunlight is bad for bright them. light. Bright, bright lights. Light. Yeah. Yep. That'll kill them. Um, do, you know, don't get them wet. Uh, and don't feed them. After well, well, hold on. Hold on. What yeah. happens if you get them wet? Well, apparently they pop little things off their back that turn into more uh, mogwais. They reproduce essentially. Right. Uh, so they become more mogwais. Which don't after, kill them. Don't I'm let them. Trying fuck. to scientifically classify them. So they're mammals. That reproduce asexually through they're, they're contact with water. Yeah, they're, 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 they're in the same yeah, okay. as platypi. Yeah. Let's yeah. discuss the uh, the uh, yeah the, the scientific basis of Gremlin then, because I, I you know in, in Gremlins two, you know we might touch on that a little bit. But we're focusing more on the first movie, but they kind of poke fun at it. Like, what if you're on an airplane and you cross the international date line, and then you have something stuck in your teeth? Does that count as right. midnight? You know, it's like yeah, yeah time zones. Like, how does it's a little arbitrary. Effect? Um, and in, so you gotta, in, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say in the new batch, uh, when they, when he does pop off the new mogwais, they're like mean mogwais immediately, which in this one, they're still nice when they, before they eat, like even the ones that pop off. I don't know about that. I, I don't know think about they're that. playing they're maybe a little mischievous, but they're not trying to kill you yet. Right? It begs mm. the question of, do you think Gizmo popped off someone's back? He must've. Yeah, well, you know what? I guess we'll, we'll find out. I don't in know about that. I think when unless we... he's the uh, <laughs> where the Jor-El and whatever yeah, of he's the, the man original Mogwai. They, they like fucked. The, the oh, you think he's Mogwai. the original? <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, here's yeah. what I know. You know, we're going to get that 2023 series. Everyone's been asking for it. Secrets of oh, the Mogwai, man. which is That's based right. on a 1920s set in China. We'll figure out where uh, Mr. Wing, uh, young Mr. Wing met hot gizmo uh, ostensibly you would imagine right <laughs> I mean, there's scripts where they came from space so who knows what it was going to be revealed but yeah they are a mystery and also yeah if you're a mogwai and you get wet you make more mogwais but then we see spike getting a or stripe getting wet and then is he going to just make gremlins instantly can you skip that whole stage Seems like it. well if you're looking at the new batch they do get wet and they like make new gremlins immediately um, right so whatever form you're in is, you make that, but if you eat after midnight as a mogwai, then you transform. That's the trigger these, to transform. Yeah. My question is if these new mogwais were already mean or mischievous, so if if Gizmo ate after midnight, he would also turn into a mean gremlin? Yes, I think so. He turns down the food. He goes, No, 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 thank you. Bad yeah. self control, which is rare <laughs> yeah. in a species, I guess. You know, but yes. since you take on some aspect of your personality from transforming from a mogwai into a gremlin, so maybe he would be like the only good gremlin, a pretty I, chill one. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> Here's my overwhelming question of this podcast. Yes, do you think you guys could take care of a mogwai and follow the rules? How long do you think it would be before it turns into a gremlin? <laughs> well, first of all, I think I would do a much better job than little Billy does, who's, I would say, very careless with these rules and Ooh, has man. the deaths of many people mm-hmm. on his hands, essentially. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
If think about By it, the I time mean, Corey Feldman comes in, I screamed at the TV, get that glass of milk off the bed, you idiot. Yeah. When he just got <laughs> yeah, a can of Coke on sitting on his bed. Yeah. I was right. like, you morons. And then he yeah, just half-assed gives them some chicken at like 1130 at night. Doesn't realize the clock was like that it's That it's actually 2.30 in the <laughs> they, morning. They Jacob. did it to yeah. him. Yeah. But, even, but have you ever lost like, track of time that much, Mike, where you're like, well, it's just another day. Well, if yeah, you're a kid like in the 80s reading a comic later. book, who knows? You know, Doing doodles while your dog watches TV, basically. Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was like irresponsible that he gives them the chicken and then like falls asleep while they're eating. So they could keep eating past midnight anyway. And he would never have known. Yeah, Billy Pelzer yeah. is responsible. Poor he, owner. Yeah. yeah, and again, he offers it to Gizmo. That seems wrong to me. Gizmo did not seem hungry. Relax. Yeah, we're we're we're, the other we're question, getting into the well, big does, issue. Does, does snow count as liquid? Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently, snow no, does not count. It has to be a liquid. They're all yeah. running around in the snow. Yeah. Nothing. It's got to be yeah. liquid H two O water. Yeah, ice crystals that mount on body heat doesn't count. Yeah. No. So the rules are a little arbitrary. Obviously, I think that's been. <laughs> Talk, you know, made fun of him, and we'll continue to do so. But they are so iconic, Mike. What other franchise spells out the scream? I mean, literally, where you're just like, oh, of course, the rules of gremlins. Horror movies need rules, right? And you know, Freddy can only get you when you fall asleep. Stay awake. Okay, we know the rules. They might be silly, but there are rules, and I I can appreciate that. You know, Um, yeah. Also, his dad's kind of to blame. So I guess to jump into it, you know, we have yes. his father. Very irresponsible. Yeah. His father is a inventor. You know, he's like a. His, let's stop right there, Mike. His, yeah. His okay. father okay. is an inventor, which is to our young listeners who are listening now, you're not going to understand this, but to our generation, we would watch these movies set in the early 80s to, I would say the early 90s that just involved you knowing an inventor. Whether it Back was the yeah. plot of Back to the Future, Jacob, which revolves yeah. around a teenager just going, oh, I'm just best friends with an inventor, with an inventor. Of course, right. like you just like it was a possibility in our lives. So much big, so. Uh, yeah, career choice. But Jacob, <laughs> so much so in this movie, because they already have a character who's an inventor. The teen also has to go. I also know a scientist, <laughs> which was also just like those yeah. were one in the same when you were a kid. Well. That was amazing. Here's my theory why <laughs> mm-hmm. inventors used to be a big thing like yes. in the 80s and 90s, right before sort of everything became digital, right? Yes. Back then, everything was analog. You can make little gases yes. and stuff. Nowadays, before the dot com Yes. Yeah. Little gizmos. Little gizmos. Right? <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, you know, everything's been invented already. Now yes. everything's digital. So if you're going to invent something, it's going to be like a, an app or something. Like it's not going to be everything a physical thing. looks mm. like a sleek iPhone. It's all white and contoured. That's how yeah. all products look now. But Jacob, when I was a kid, there was a chance I could go to my neighbor's house and he would be like, some guy sold me this juicer. It's like six feet tall. You'll never see it again. And it was like, what is it? And it was an invention. Like, it was just crazy. And a lot of times when you see these characters in media, it's like they're like a failed inventor. But yes. They're, like, they're whimsical. Get rich they're quick. always making something that doesn't work, but they're trying. Yes. You know, they're really yes. trying. The yeah, ambition he's- of America. Yeah, yeah, he's he's you know on the road at the start of the movie trying to sell his wares. He spends a lot of the rest of the movie like leading up to Christmas Eve. He's like goes back on the road. He's like a traveling salesman yeah. trying to get by. You know, it was you know very uh, you know 
I guess, blue collar in a way, you know, trying to make these inventions, just kind of scrape by. Well, Mike, this is a film about a kid who has an absentee father who comes and drops off a magic dog who, in the course mm-hmm. of two days, gets him a girlfriend and destroys his town. <laughs> like, that, yeah. that is the plot of the movie. It's and I was going to say, also, yeah. the dad's job, being on the road all the time, hustling, trying to make money, it kind of feeds into the sort of the class uh, themes of it all, the consumerism, the you know economic themes, where you have like this rich lady who's like turning people down for loans and stuff. You have, you know, Billy comes from a blue collar family. Judge Reinhold is like his boss. Who's like this rich, snobby Yuppie guy. guy. Yeah. 25 yeah. years old. I'm already a partner or whatever the hell. Yeah. New money used to be horrifying. Old yeah. money used to run such a propaganda machine that they'd be like the Beverly Hillbillies. Can you imagine if Hillbillies got money? And it's like, right. I don't know. They'd be like everybody else. You fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now we have Duck Dynasty. So we've seen it. Yes. Come around. Yes. Um, and then, you know, Dick Miller's always ranting. Obviously, he's like an older generation guy, but he's like complaining about foreign cars and foreign products. And it's like, you know, yeah. during, during the 80s, there's a big influx of, you know, foreign made products, you, you know, made in USA, like the audio industry, people be like destroying foreign cars and stuff in the street. Yeah, it was a big, you know, it, it's a big theme. Yeah. For a lot of people that like globalization was going to like ruin the economy because we were outsourcing jobs and outsourcing all this stuff. Um, and so how did it turn out, Jacob? <laughs> Well, I think Seems it wasn't a problem. It was fine. <laughs> it's, I think it's generally a good thing overall because, you know, it's good that c- countries communicate mm-hmm. and, and participate in, you know, economics together as a, as, mm-hmm. a, as a globe, as a world or whatever. But maybe just um, capitalism in general doesn't work and it's all a <laughs> ridiculous system. Yeah. Maybe that's it. <laughs> and then the second Gremlins, movie kind of leans sorry. into that more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so there's a little bit of themes of that, you know, and it's, it's small town USA. And obviously, you know, a later movie, uh, you might recognize this town, you know, Back to the Future is filmed in this exact same Literally. set, mm-hmm. you know, in the Universal Backlot, which, that you know, unfortunately burned sense. down. Yeah. It's Hill Valley. But yeah, you get the wow. Twin Pines. You got the, um, you know, the courthouse. Everything's there. Yeah, that so. movie theater is right next to the clock tower, basically. Yeah, and wow. like they put the titles, the the working titles for Close Encounters and E.T. on the marquee. So there's a lot of Easter eggs and throwbacks. There's a Dr. Moreau, because again, these guys are freaking nerds and they're making this movie together. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a Twilight well, yeah, Zone movie poster, all kinds of stuff like that. Totally. There's a lot of homages and references. Um, like you said, the the basic setup is very similar to it's a wonderful life this kind of idyllic town small town america but i think this whole movie in part is sort of a love letter to cinema and tv you know obviously gizmo's character he loves watching tv like that's his main yeah. thing and then at mm-hmm. the end mr wing's like you let him watch tv Not yeah good. but he learns <laughs> no he's, like, he's recalling the movie quotes to become the yeah. hero um and, yeah. and i guess we'll kind of get comes rambo yeah, in the second one, absolutely. Yeah. And, and before we get right into the plot, all gremlins, it seems, and, you know, as soon as they're spawned and exist, they have an awareness of general pop culture. It just comes yes. in their DNA. They, <laughs> they want to be us is essentially, they kind of, it's again, replacement theory, right? Literally, hmm. get out of the way. I'll go to the restaurants. We want to watch our movies. We want to be rowdy yeah. and different. And, you know, us normal quote-unquote people are like oh all these gremlins in here making all this noise oh yeah yeah i think they're 
they're a version of us. They're consumers taken to the excessive level. So when they go to the bar, yeah. that that bar scene, they're incredible. All drinking, six smoking, cigarettes at a time. Excess, right? I mean, they're playing yeah. cards. I mean, <laughs> it's great. How do you know how to play? I love it. I love that stuff in this movie. How it does get so goofy. They're doing flash dance references. They, they know that out of the womb. <laughs> Right, guys. Of course, it's yeah. cartoon. They're watching Snow White. They're singing "Hi Ho, Hi oh. Ho." Off to work we go. But they're being yep. kind of body and dirty while they're watching. This. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You're like this corruption yeah. of puritanicalism. So yeah, there are id. I think I saw it described. They're pure oh, ego they're running pure around. Excess. Yeah. Yes. Whatever they, yes. whatever vice they have, they're going to take it to the hashtag no filter extreme level. Yeah. <laughs> so a man in Chinatown is taken down into a shop by a boy, and basically shown wonders this guy says i want something one of a kind it's for my son it's for christmas i'm not around much basically this would kind of make up for that mm-hmm. no we don't have anything for you here he sees something one of a kind a mogwai uh and he leaves that shop without getting it but of course he can't because he's offering sweet cash money and that yep. gets you anything in this world so the grandson gives him this little mogwai with the warning here's three rules you got to know jacob went over that bad boy goes home and we're introduced to our cast of Zach Galligan, who I said to you guys, I don't know from truly anything else, right? No, just a sequel in yeah. this. Maybe a couple TV roles, but I don't know. And a commercial where him and Gizmo love Mountain Dew, which we will talk about later. Right. Do you guys think Gizmo's like 50 in the commercial? <laughs> but again, maybe he's a thousand. Maybe he could already be a thousand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. who knows, who knows. You know what? But he... Yes. Well, I just want to say, if if they put the damn ET aliens in the Senate, they should have put some Mogwais in there. <laughs> yeah, that would have made planet. sense to me, Mike. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. But he's given as a gift um, this wonderful thing. He's He replaces the dog, which always kind of really broke my heart as a kid. It really does seem like this new baby thing. But he's given something that I've thought about truly since I've watched this, which is a sentient little companion i don't know why i'm obsessed with this idea of it but guys since i was a kid i have wanted the monkey from pirates of the caribbean that you know interacts with stuff or gizmo the mogwai or like Like ya books a little buddy like did you guys read peter hatcher dragon uh peter thatcher dragon hatcher when you were kids those those ya books where you like get a little dragon familiar kind of exactly Playing D&D, having familiars and stuff. Now, the ultimate, of course, I will say, of the little buddy, Mm -hmm. he's not a little buddy, but he breaks the trope, we'll say, and that's why I think he's the ultimate, Mm -hmm. is Chewbacca, which is he is sort of your, like, lifestyle companion animal who understands just you, kind of, and you have, like, a symbiotic relationship but obviously Chewbacca has agency and I think we're supposed to believe is married and has a child. I'm not positive that's canon. We <laughs> might be tuned. talking about Oh, yeah. They might have to dive into that. I thought you were going to we'll say Matt. Wouldn't you say uh, yeah. R2-D2 is kind of also the little now, buddy? Of now, now, Jacob, I would say the little buddy trope has now evolved to droids. I would say yes in that movie, BB-8. but now so much more mm. BB-8 and what's that video game where you're Cal Kestis, oh, where you Jedi get the order. Now, Jacob, yeah. that's a little buddy. Mm-hmm. Whatever that the thing is, shoulder, that's a yeah. little buddy. Yeah, that's your little guy. It's just like a pet that's like more sentient than a cat or a dog that can it's, like. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's if a cat could listen to you, which would truly be a remarkable thing. And like or actually a, empathize. You know, dogs can, I guess. Yes. Know. A, a racket raccoon, to. a Cosmo. You know, we just saw all these great characters that James Gunn obviously plays with. I think he's someone who loves little buddies, too. I think but a group, guys, yeah, comes from this. Uh, Groot is an all-timer. And we just said, maybe the highest-selling little buddy of all time now is little Grogu, who is a little buddy, right? In no way, shape, or form a derivative of Gizmo in either. (laughs) Well, now, Jacob has a theory. What was the number one 90s consumer? Well, this is what struck me, because I, I knew kind of what Gremlins looked like, but just seeing them again when I watched this movie, I was like, did you guys have... Furbies when you're growing up. My sister had a Furby. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted one so bad. So similar to the Gremlins design. I feel like there's some kind of copyright infringement going on there. They gave him a beak so they didn't get sued. That's very, yeah. very Mongwai energy. But yeah. the, ears, the ears, Mike, the, the eyes. eyes. Yeah. And, and the just the beak and the fact that they don't have arms is literally the only thing where Joe Dante could be like, God damn it, I thought I could get a paycheck out of this. And they yeah. were selling, you know suction cup you know mogwise and stuff for a time you know they had some merchandising but very, very surely they have made yeah. a talking gizmo surely furby oh, yeah. has licensed oh, a sure. real gizmo or a rival company yeah I, I yeah. think i remember that coming out in the mid to late 90s maybe early 2000s like it came out after the cycle of the movie but once talking kind of animatronic stuff got cheaper there was there was a gizmo they could talk to each other mike do you remember that oh yeah, yeah. Just- have them look at each other and just leave them alone and they just talk back and forth. <laughs> About as sophisticated as words Sims. Like a parrot. You would teach it a word. Hot tub. Yeah. Hot tub. <laughs> Which is similar to yeah, how Gizmo would talk, you know? Yes. TV, yeah. TV, HBO, you know? Well. <laughs> he says no. that in the second movie. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Maybe the ears, it's not though, good for him. <laughs> the ears is a trademark because uh, the puppeteers said, you know, we got these little guys and we needed distinguishing features to show the evolution and ears are a good way to sell emotion. If you don't have wow. the sophisticated eye movements oh, and you tilt them point. back when they're feeling timid, etc. Yeah. So the team, we should say mm-hmm. in 1980, who's creating this little guy, a little buddy, you might say mm-hmm. named Yoda, uh, goes yep. on to, of course, do the same animatronics for, I already said a gross little buddy that I don't want to touch <laughs> named E.T. Yep, yep. And then, of course, this puppet team is continuing. Mike, you can tell that they are just getting better and better and better. And God, can you imagine if we kept investing in this technology? There's oh, yeah. something about it. Like, it's just it's so charming to see just little guys on screen or little green puppets. And you might see a, a rod moving an arm that like, can for three squeeze frames. you and do hydraulic things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's always going to be something more tangible and real about a puppet versus CG, a CG little buddy. Right. They would have had gremlins doing backflips off of chandeliers and crap if it was CG. Yeah. You know? It would have been yeah. stupid. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the practical effects in this and they hold up really well. And like, it's a slow burn before you even see a gremlin. So, you know, a credit to them for like executing it so well. Cause I don't think any yeah. of the effects show any datedness. Maybe one shot where no. they're walking down the street. It's like oh, a little stop motion, but everything no, it looks great really good. Yeah.
that was another thing that struck me watching this. It's a deceiving movie in that you go in, you're like, all right, it's a Christmas movie, family friendly. It's got cute little things. And then about, you know, almost halfway through the movie, maybe 45 minutes in, mm. all of a sudden we're getting these monsters, these gremlins. We're getting violent scenes. We're getting craziness. And I just love this movie because it just it just devolves into insanity, right? But like yeah. you said earlier, hard to market because this is kind of yeah. the perfect movie to be like, are you about to be a teenager? Like, are you like 11? Yeah. <laughs> like you a will too, love this. Yeah, a little too violent for younger kids. And I think even some people took their kids to this originally and would walk out of the theaters because it was marketed more kid-friendly than it ends up being. So there was some some unhappy people walking out of theaters, right? Yeah, and you, you see the poster, it looks like, you know, got cute little fingies or little, you know, you see Gizmo, maybe they sh- talk about the gremlins in a trailer or whatever, but it's like, you think you're going to get this cute, oh, this is the, my childhood companion, little cute guy, and then there's Blender and a microwave and, and all this, yeah. you know, crazy stuff. They kill two cops, you know. Um, <laughs> it's a yeah. wild, wild ride, and... uh yeah, that's pretty much the way it goes. So, so Billy has his buddy Corey Feldman over. He spills some water. We get the bad guys. They trick him into eating after midnight, and then they just run havoc on the town on Christmas Eve. And it's just a series of events going wrong as Billy tries to get Kate out of there, get his mom to safety. His dad's still out of town, and that's pretty much the plot. Billy just trying to gather his dog, you know, circle up his people, and try to stop the gremlins. Uh, and there's just a lot of great scenes that happen. Um, but the one that kicks it off, which is one of my favorites, and I think Jacob said too, is that kitchen scene to bring it back. What a sequence, yeah. Colin. How do you feel about the the violence of this? I'm Truly watching it again, I felt like I was watching it for the first time. I was like, this is so visceral. It's so cool. It's so cruel. And when it ends with that skull in the fire, I'm just like, you can just imagine the glee Joe Dante had storyboarding this movie out. Yeah. Yeah, and you know they what do they call it when you show the gun at the act one of a Chekhov's thing? gun. Chekhov's gun. We have Chekhov's sword when it. Billy comes home and it falls off the wall. Yes. And his dad has to hang it up again, and then he uses it. I, I remember yep. I forgot if he used it. I couldn't remember if it was a fire poker that he hit the gremlin with. I'm like, if they don't use that sword, I'm going to be so mad. And sure enough, Billy saves yeah, his big mom. swing. Yeah, after a little Christmas tree scare, there's some good moments. He has a Zoid in the stocking when she cuts it open. There's a Zoid toy, one of the original <laughs> Tommy Zoids. I was like, hell yeah, dude. I feel like my brother pointed that out for me a few years ago, and it, <laughs> it's I very much enjoyed it ever since. That's very 1984, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's an incredible <laughs> sequence. Um, what other, any, any Havoc well, scenes that stand out he, for you guys? He meets Phoebe Cates, who let's just talk about for a minute. At this yeah. point in time... The, I mean, we talked about Jenna Ortega being sort of, quote unquote, the it girl in the way that sort of like, it seems like now like Netflix decides like with Chess Show Girl, like mm-hmm. you're the one who is popular this year. And it's like, OK, and we kind of all buy into it. Now, back in the day, that was achieved through slow-mo on VHS, which was oh, achieved yeah. when Phoebe Cates first appeared in a little movie called Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She yeah. is, I mean, truly the crush of a generation. And and yeah. this film really cemented that, too. And she also kind of was playing more sort of, uh, you know, more more adult roles or more, you know, I don't even know the word, but in this, she's playing more family friendly where she's kind of like this innocent, just just nice yes. girl. 
I was going to say bitch. It's not very nice. She played a lot of bitches in roles, but uh, yeah. yes, in this. Um, but Jacob, we we said um, this is your first time watching this movie. Now you said you were aware of some cultural bits. What's a gremlin? What's the rules? But the key moment Phoebe Cates is, of course, involved with. Does that permeate the culture? Did you know the Santa story? Mm-hmm. Oh no, and that was very interesting to me what is that yeah. reaction man watching it for the first time Please, I was just, yes it's 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 very interesting i don't know what to feel about it it just kind of comes out of nowhere she has this whole monologue where she's talking about so obviously early in the movie she talks about she doesn't like christmas she doesn't oh i hate christmas you know, he's like Which, How can you hate christmas let yeah. me say i i that this seeing this again before her monologue just there's one line when she's walking home with billy that really got me she's like no a lot of people are depressed during christmas you know while everyone else is opening up their presents they're opening up their wrists and i was like whoa <laughs> whoa yeah. but not a it's lot of holiday intense. movies bring attention to the fact yes. that there is a lot of depression and the suicide rates yes. do spike and you know what you know right. There's a reason George Bailey jumps off a bridge on Christmas, guys. Well, that's it's yeah, yeah, and I was getting the the wonderful life vibes. So she says she already doesn't like Christmas, but we don't know why. And then the whole plot comes to a halt. And then she says, "The third act of the movie, they're trying to stop these gremlins. The whole plot comes to a halt. It's an under siege (laughs) moment. Yeah, everybody's getting attacked, Mm -hmm. so that Phoebe Cates can explain that her her dad uh, used to dress up as Santa." And he would, you know, go down the chimney and deliver presents. But one time there was an accident. Well, they didn't know what happened to him. They hadn't heard it from him. But there's the smell coming from the chimney. And the, the fire people come out and they're expecting them to pull out a dead raccoon or something. Instead, they pull out her dad. He fell in the chimney and broke his neck and died. And he was there for five days yeah. before they we even got him. pull him out. out. And then I open my presence. I was aware of this. Well, the line that describes it. Describe how she is giving it to. (laughs) Dead-eyed. Yeah. (laughs) She's playing it very straight. Yes. It sounds like it's like such a ridiculous scenario. Who would actually slide down a chimney? But she's playing it so straight. Over the top story you've ever heard. And she's almost going to cry. And she, she delivers that line. And that's how I learned there was no Santa Claus. And I'm like, oh, my God. But I love this that's about this line. movie. I mean, that's, that's the punchline. Kind of, uh, Joe Dante's mm-hmm. like sense of humor, right? Coming out. Yes. It's like, we're going to have this bit in here for no reason, really. Um, but, you know, I was aware of the story as a sort of a, uh, you know, a rumor going around or like a, a cultural a myth. pop culture, yes. thing, yeah. an urban now, legend almost. I urban would legend, say that's what I was by the time we were kids, it was an urban legend, but that wasn't happening. Our parents mm. weren't dressing like Santa to like surprise us, right? I would say we might have been the last generation that went to the mall to sit on a, a dude because they definitely <laughs> don't do that shit. Anymore, no, right? some families take pictures of like their toddlers and stuff, but I don't think young kids these days. I wouldn't know. But I there's don't have no kids, malls but... anymore. Where would they that's go? True, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some malls, but not as many. Not as many as we're in the 80s. There's like you know? outdoor pavilions, Mike, where you would like rent a 10 to 12 window for an Instagram event. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not in the time of COVID, too. It's like, I'm not letting anybody who's not in my immediate circle touch my fucking baby. There's right. something yeah, yeah. about like Catholicism and Santa where I'm like, I don't want a priest touching my kid or Santa, basically. We're going to avoid both yeah. of these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
Yeah, but definitely my dad was not dressing as Santa and no. actually going down the chimney. Yes. No, like they, they would eat the cookie or write a note. Thanks for the cookie, Santa. Yes. Something yeah, like out, that. Yeah, leave out the cookies my, next morning and has a yes. bite out of it. Yeah. yeah. My dad would tell the story of an uncle or a family friend would dress up as Santa and all the kids would be surprised for like one night, like one family event. They do not do that shit anymore. No, no, no. I think I wouldn't know. Hey, if your child stop listening earmuffs um like i don't know how long kids buy it now with the yeah internet. i don't know man. It on tiktok i'm sure did you know yeah. i mean, well, I mean it's I think suck. Most, yeah most kids figure out by what 11 or 12 maybe yeah um you got the elf on the shelf now that's a thing um mm-hmm. we don't need to anymore we got the elf on the shelf gremlins are kind of twisted story? elves yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah they're little helpers did i tell yeah. my no santa story no, no. Is it like a really tragic story? I, I'm going to go background? real quick. My <laughs> dad was in a, a chimney. <laughs> no. So I was probably uh, my parents were divorced. So I was older than seven, but it was like maybe eight or nine years old, maybe a little too young to the age group. Jacob just said mm-hmm. my dad takes me to the park. I'd gotten a model rocket. I wanted to launch it off. Hey, let's, and he's very insistent. Let's come on. Let's go launch that one that you got for Christmas. Come on. Let's, let's go do it. Let's go do it. I was like, yeah, that's okay. Let's, that sounds great. Go yep. together. You put the model rocket down. We're both looking up. I shoot it off. I go, wow. It shoots up up in the air. He puts his arm around me and goes, Hey, you know, there's no Santa Claus, right? <laughs> what? I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, there isn't one. And I said, Why? Oh, and I thought for a beat and I said the Easter bunny. And he said, none of that shit. <laughs> Wow. That was his response. He just broke it to you. I have no, I've asked him since. I was like, why did you feel the need? He's like, I just, I don't know why. I just felt like I just had to get it done. I had to get it off my chest. Did you believe in the tooth fairy as a kid where you'd be put? So I think all that was the the moment where he was like, none of it, dude. All of it's done. So I think at a certain point, I knew the tooth fairy wasn't real, but I still wanted that money. So I was just putting. Oh, yeah. You play into it. I'll play the hustle. Yeah. I know my mom's coming down and sneaking a, a five or whatever in there. Are you, uh-huh. would you guys be honest about it or would you just keep doing the Santa thing? If they asked me, I'd be honest, but I would, I, I would try to do my best to keep the wonder of childhood alive. You, you kind of culturally yeah. have to, cause everyone else is doing it. Yeah. It's just good for the it's spirit the, of Christmas. All parents yeah. are in on it. It's the biggest conspiracy for 10 year olds or under. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> truly know? is. I can't even Mike. remember. I can't remember like the specific moment when I stopped believing in Santa Claus. I guess. You have older siblings. They did not blow it for you. No. My older cousins blew it for me, but you know, mm. that's a story for another time. But uh, mm. maybe, maybe it's a uh, look at this rocket, the wonder of science and all that is real. But <laughs> that other stuff is not. It was a 2001 moment. It was the bone flying through the air for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. Uh, now, Mike, would you come down the chimney for your kids? Never. You can't yeah, even fit in what, a chimney. What, what houses the hell? these days have chimneys? Yeah, my apartment, I'll come in from outside. Yeah. The air hey, conditioner hey. vent through which yeah. the cigarette smoke creeps in as well. Yeah. Another sinister uh, invader like a yeah. gremlin. But uh, so so you get that dark turn in Phoebe Cates. And that's one of the things that they wanted to cut out of the movie. Obviously, everyone thinks it's, it is dark. I think Joe Dante thought it was a joke, but she plays it so sincere, you know. I love yeah. these scenes about this movie, you know, and um, Mrs. Deagle, for instance, also says some dark shit about how she wants oh, yeah. to <laughs> put Billy's dog in the spin cycle on high heat. And then the guy next to her is like, oh, that'd do it. All right. 
<laughs> but well, and then I was so she's pissed off flying through the air at the end. Yeah. yeah. But I was so mad when she described the spin cycle on high heat. And then um, the wife doesn't put a gremlin in the spin cycle on high heat. Yes, like, you that descri- would have been funny. That'd do it all right. Like, oh, you had it. But maybe they filmed it. Yeah. Well, but but yeah, she gets lady, just dessert. Or just effects. I mean, that might have so just been impossible. For them. <laughs> could have been. But Mrs. Yeah. Potter, as it would be. Yes. You know? Mrs. Potter. Yes. She's so over the top where she's like, that fucking dog. I'm going to murder that thing. Destroy like, this town. And then I'll we find out him. that she's like a cat person. She's got all these cats, but she hates dogs. Yeah. Now, there was originally a plot where it turned out that she was like swindling loans from the entire town. But that's uh, what I thought like, it was going to go. There's yeah, a deleted scene. Her yeah. and the, the bank. They work at a bank. And yeah, her and the head again, banker why? are trying to foreclose on people because it's wonderful yeah. life, you know? I could tell some <laughs> things were cut out in terms of like they kind of restructured it before releasing it because the Judge Reinhold character, he's like in the beginning yes. and then he just mm-hmm. disappears. Yes. And the, the lady, I thought time. she was going to play into yeah. it more, into the plot more. And I was like, I thought they were doing a It's a Wonderful Life thing right. where she was going to maybe have a change of heart at the end or something. Oh, you happen. saved me from those mean little gremlins. Yeah, but mm-hmm. no, she just flies off her no, uh, fuck you, chair thing and dies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Which is Hell one yeah. of the funniest sequences to me, like those little chair lifts and they mess with electronics. I mean, yeah. Mike, do you remember being a kid and seeing those who didn't have that dream of being like, what if you like fucking turn that thing all the way up? I yeah. Like Joe Dante is like a five-year-old kid who's like, yeah, let's put it in the movie. And then yeah. they film it so that it looks like it goes up six flights of stairs. Like it just keeps going and going. And, you know, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun, you know. And I do Uh-oh. like how the gremlins live up to their name by messing around with electronics and stuff and that's where technology that's you yep. know mr futterman calls them the gremlins for the first time because of you know he was in wwii right the big and, one uh, the big one yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah dick Ford. miller uh just one of the greatest um 50s actors of all time basically was like the star and like reason that B movies got made. That's why all these guys like Joe Dante were obsessed with him. Obviously he was in the howling, the previous film Mike Mm -hmm. mentioned as well, where he plays an incredible character too. Um, And then later we get uh, Mike from breaking bad, shooting up a a bunch of uh, gremlins. I thought that was pretty cool as the sheriff or whatever. I was like, Oh yeah. yeah. That was Mike from breaking bad. Yeah. Deputy with some hair. I didn't even notice that. He looks a lot different when he's younger. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I have to think that um, uh, Dick Miller, he's got to be the prototype for Burt Gummer and Tremors. Yes. Like that kind of sure. guy, this right wing kind of nut prepared. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I knew it was Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're talking about uh, great character actors and stuff, just to mention really quickly, Gremlins mm-hmm. 2, the new batch. Oh. Robert Picardo, Christopher Lee, uh, Robert Dick Miller again. Robert yeah. Protsky. Yep, yep. <laughs> crazy loaded cast i know uh, uh robert picardo was in the howling too i think right not the howling too but the howling harry Balea. yeah yeah, yeah course, so there's Hulk a lot Hogan. of good ones but you can't watch <laughs> yes. that on christmas i guess you can but no, the, no. these guys you know they they work together frequently you know the, the collaborative partners within kind of the mm-hmm. spielberg i mean Corey feldman would go on to be in the goonies after oh yeah spielberg saw him in this you know and right. you know there's inventors in that you know you got data he's inventing shit yeah i mean it's again my, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's every movie <laughs> and they yeah. have a big little guy with chunk yes yes yeah. chunk is a big little guy he's a big little guy <laughs> he's like little chewbacca he's a, bi- he's a big buddy <laughs> yeah yeah so you get all that get, yeah i get goonies vibes from this i get back to the future vibes et vibes it's kind of every 80s movie 
combined into one almost. Yeah. If Michael J. Fox was in this instead of Zach Galligan, it would have been incredible. But yeah. It's well, so I was incredible. reading a little bit about yeah. when they cast him, they're like, he, he was an unknown guy, but he read with Phoebe Cates and the casting director was like, oh, he's in love with her already. We should cast him because he's just already in love with her. <laughs> so yeah. just their com- chemistry works so well that he's like, yeah, I, anybody I, put in the, the room. Well, yeah. yeah, that chemistry works well. I will say his chemistry with his dad when he's reading the rules and it pans, it could have essentially pan over to a mannequin head listening <laughs> to them. Zach Galligan is so lifeless. He's just yeah. sort of like nodding very slowly. Yes, no light. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. I do think the scenes with him and uh, Phoebe Cates, um, when they're outside of her door and it's like, would you, uh, you know, want to get dinner? You know, like that's very cute. I do think there's some chemistry there. And, uh, yeah. You know, but he did look like a mannequin when his dad. And his, yeah, he's uh, the, you know, he's the hometown every every man kind of guy where he's just like comes from a blue collar family. Just a just a nice guy or whatever. Just trying he's to an artist. He wants hey, to if I was in two movies and there were gremlins and gremlins, too, I'd never shut up about it. <laughs> Dog. And uh, Hoyt Axon, who plays the father, Randall Peltzer, the way he can just he does that, you know, Chinatown Either. monologue, literally. And figuratively in the beginning, yeah. he just reads the, he's just so natural. Uh, I think he, he's great. And even when he's just on the phone he's and there's great. like a, a robot you behind him selling oil. He invented the inventor <laughs> convention. Yeah. They never work. Yeah. Yeah. Inventor um, convention. Hoyt Axton, he was like a musician, like singer songwriter doing like country and Western music for a long time. Sure. Uh, he comes from like a music family like his mom was a songwriter too for like elvis and stuff i was reading all this earlier okay. but, um yeah and he unfortunately died at uh in the 90s like at age 61 so oh i mean he's got a john candy body type <laughs> yeah. that's not shocking yeah um but he's great as just this failed inventor trying to trying to make a living for his family well i even like when there, there's like little moments in this movie and i've seen it so many times that I, i'm now able to kind of dissect it you know so when Billy's trying to explain, hey, there's there's something wrong with the gremlins. There's like a bunch of them now, a bunch of mogwais. And then his dad's like, oh, hey, check out this invention. I'm like, he, he's so excited. <laughs> yeah. He keeps interrupting his son. And then Billy just can't like, I don't know. He's, he's so excited. I can't tell him about the, this problem. I'm yeah, yeah dude. When I like Billy and the mom, how supportive they are of the father, where the mom is just like really trying to use the inventions that never work right. But she's like. She like lies him on the phone and is like, oh yeah, I was just out of, out of range or whatever. It wasn't working, but like, they're really <laughs> trying to like, you know, they're trying to, they work for him. the first few weeks, but you know, but yeah, they're trying to be supportive of him. He's clearly yeah. like a loving father. He's just busting yeah. his ass to make ends meet, you know? Yeah. It's the absentee yeah. thing. And again, to go back to the complexities for teen and children characters, you think about Henry Thomas's parents getting divorced in ET, the extraterrestrial. Yep. And it's like, is that what that film's about? No, it is. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. again, is this film about Zach Galligan having a bad relationship with his dad? No. Yes, it is. It's about this thing he unloads on him. So it, it does. It, it's just when people are like, why do these movies persevere? Why are people still obsessed with them? This sort of like Amblin Spielberg effect, you know, these sort of like captured the moments of middle America, these dreams. Well, I'll tell you why, because I'm watching this in my tiny apartment, in California being like, Wow, a guy who called himself an inventor owns a home and like has yeah. like a wife and a kid. Right, and like yeah. he could just like he's living his life and he's not worried that like Ukraine's gonna get hit by a nuclear bomb. That's no, pretty cool. He, he can drop two hundred bucks on a random 
gift shop in Chinatown. Yeah. I can't drop 200 yeah. bucks anywhere. You know, come yeah. on. <laughs> like it kind of hints that they're like, no, yeah. you know, they're not rich or anything, but they're, they're struggling, but they, yeah, like you said, they still have a nice house and, and, you know, food on the table and stuff. Right. And they live must, in white picket fence, America. Yeah. yeah. It's middle America, the, the nuclear family as it were. Right. Um, but you know, in the deleted scene, there is like, Oh, a little plot point of like, Oh man, like, your house is on the list and your house and the bar and like, uh, you know, Phoebe Cates and, you know, um, Billy the 80s is coming. They discover like, <laughs> Oh shit, they're going to sell all of our, all of our, our can't you know, be the fifties yeah. forever. And again, the new no. batch kind yeah. of goes into that a little as yes. well, but uh, yeah. Wall street. Yeah. So yeah. something that's uh, going on here. I, Wall um, street gremlins never sleep. That's my sequel. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And this is red letter media. So the first movie, sure. small town America gets taken over by gremlins. Second movie, corporate tower, New York, yuppies taken over by gremlins. Then rich Evans said, I want gremlins in the white house where they're like signing oh. bills and shit. It would be so good. Trump gets a gremlin. Because it's Clamp. fine. His name's stripe. He's a good boy. Yeah. Not to do too much gremlins. Too, but there's a lot of Trump with clamp as this corporate guy who's full of himself. Right. And then it's like, yeah. what if clamp became president and then the gremlins take over the white house? Like it'd be not impressive. fascinating <laughs> thing about, uh, the new batch for me was that clamp he wasn't really a, a bad guy like he was very understanding at the end like, yeah billy i'm gonna buy your your shit like i'm gonna buy your design and everything like he's just like excited about everything he was gonna I, exploit I was, it but he was like hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like he's like super positive about everything it's like that's an interesting way to portray the rich you know developer character yeah, now, yeah is it worth checking or just mentioning if our listeners haven't seen it the of course key and peel classic skit uh how did we get gremlins to surely you guys have seen that skit that comes no, up a lot on my that. youtube searches for i gotta check that out related Jacob, materials as a heather ann campbell fan you haven't seen that she was of course part of the original ucb cast that performed that when jordan peel was a guest uh resident at uh, upright citizens brigade where he wrote that skit and then invited oh. the entire cast to star in the P and, uh, the key and peel skit where he plays a extremely flamboyant 80s character who walks around and says everybody gets to choose a gremlin what do you choose a uh, spider gremlin it's in the movie electric gremlin it's in the movie <laughs> yeah. gremlin it's in the movie <laughs> that's amazing that does kind of feel like how they made that movie where it's just like if you thought this if you thought gremlins get insane <laughs> mm. man New yeah is just so, like an actual and cartoon. Yeah. So we're going on. That's that's the future. Not to say that we're winding down from it, but no. this we're gonna get this cartoon thing, which is a prequel. What what's 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 up with the Gremlins universe? What why has it taken so long? Obviously, Chris Columbus has never gone on to really like write more. Mike mentioned it. He's a huge director. We've certainly talked about him a ton when we did mm-hmm. our Harry Potter series. Like some pirates too. A ton of shit. It, it, it's but to i don't understand because surely it's a cash cow for him that he sees like oh, i would love if there was more gremlin stuff going is it the spielberg producer thing where it seems like he kind of has these overarching deals where he lets these creatives like bob zemeckis go like you can't touch back to the future without talking to me but really that's kind of Spielberg's protection. You have to talk to him, but he's giving the permission to me. Mm-hmm. Spielberg doing that sort of umbrellaing for gremlins? Like, I'm sure Joe Dante would like a paycheck, too. I, I don't understand what's stopping any of this. They've just never cracked the story. 
Yeah, I don't know. I honestly, like, after two, besides Gremlins in the White House, I don't know what you would do. Because um, two is a really two great sequel. Really, yeah. It's a great sequel. It but it's like really an anti-sequel. Like, yeah, Joe Dante like wanted it to loose. be. Yeah, yeah. You you hear those stories though, where like Mario Puzo, the writer of The Godfather, like their literary agent would be like, "Just write The Godfather 2. and he'd be like, "I don't want to write The Godfather 2. And they'd be like, "No, no, write The Godfather 2. And he would turn in a treatment that was purposely so bad. They're like, "Oh, never mind. You're not going to do Godfather 2. And you wonder if Joe Dante kind of poisoned the well by being like, "You want Gremlins too?" Oh, I'll show you fucking Gremlins 2, you motherfuckers. And now, like, production people are like, oh, well, Gremlins 3 would be even crazier, and the world couldn't handle that. (laughs) Yeah, they probably could. I mean, I know for sure, you know, that Joe Dante said, I'm only doing Gremlins 2 if you give me complete creative control. And they did. So he's like, I'm going to just do this whole thing that's about consumerism, capitalism, sequels. It's like self-referential. It's breaking the fourth wall. Uh, they switched to Rick Baker to do the yeah. Gremlins. Right. And he did want to have more character in them. So the second movie, I, I guess, has uh, electric Gremlins, so like you said. Brainy but gremlin. I prefer the Gremlins in the original movie as much as I like to. I like these scary little guys more than yeah. the goofier take. But I, I adore the second better. movie. But yeah. one is superior to me. Two's funny. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about how we save the day then before we kind of get to the final thoughts here. We got the Gremlins are on a rampage. We have Phoebe Cates well, making us very sad, right? I wanted to mention my Go favorite ahead. scene in this whole movie. Please. The bar room scene. I thought that whole yes. yeah, I mean, it's scene is just this classic. So many cutaways. There's the, the guy smoking in the corner, drinking whiskey with like the the hat, listening to jazz and stuff. You got, like you said, the flash dance reference and oh just God. all the, there's the a trench flasher coat flasher guy. <laughs> That's it's like, yeah. what is this? Phoebe Cates is trying to light cigarettes for him. She discovers yeah, they like don't like the like, match. She's just putting yeah. up with it. She's like, she knows she has to like work. Right. Yeah. Well, that's like their agreement is like, all right, we won't kill you if yeah. you like bartend for us and like, yeah. light our cigarettes and stuff. there's a social contract happening. Yeah. Yes. It's wild. Consume. That scene is just great. And but then there's a guy who just straight up has a gun and is about yeah. to shoot her. Yeah. It's great. Hey, first of all, I want to know where they got little gremlin guns uh, and oh. where Spike gets his little gremlin uh, uh, crossbow. Spike. Stripe. Yeah, Stripe. yeah. That's see, Yeah. Uh, but. Legally distinct character. Stripe right. and Spike. I want to say gremlins, to me, they're the heroes of this movie. And, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Destroy the, the towns. Uh, and I would love to hang out with them. They seem like they're having a great time at that bar. I guess well, they, like, uh, they kill yeah, Santa. Night. There's there's not too many people they sort of body, but they do get a couple people. They kill yeah. Santa and the police do literally nothing. <laughs> and just then says, they kill two police officers. Like Santa. Yeah. 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 Like, what is he doing? And they just roll up the window slowly and they're like, we should him. get out yeah. of here. <laughs> hey, not yeah, bad. they're really bad at their job. Yep. Yeah. Later uh, when that cop is interviewing Gizmo, basically, he is looking at him in a way where I was like, yeah, that's an appropriate reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing is when Hoyt Axton first meets the creatures, no one treats it like this amazing thing. Like that's a new animal that we've never seen before. It's not really similar to any other animal. The the one person who nails it, though, is um, Corey uh, Feldman, who literally does the kid thing of like, hi, Gizmo. And he like pats his head and like shakes his hand. It's like like blinking at him and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, he sells that. That's how he got Goonies. Yes. Agreed. Mm-hmm. he's the one that spills water on 
Get yeah, he fucks it up. Little yeah. fucking yeah. idiot. Like Goonie. Headass. Can I yeah, have that... one since you got a couple more? I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but that bar sequence is great. There's a lot of uh, references yes. and just crazy shit going on. But we do eventually get... Uh, you know, Spike jumps in a pool at one point, holding his nose, and when you were saying gremlins, all that bad effects earlier, Mike, the jump in looks good. There's a moment where he's sort of like sideways, where you could tell me they're holding the puppet by the legs, just sort of like putting it in the water because it's sort of like motionless, sort of just like spinning. Where I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> this had no moving parts. It's just being yes. lowered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then it's like. Yeah, submerge it exactly. That's one sure. we can afford to live. Fifteen I guarantee frames. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's charming. So we end up with a ton of gremlins. That's how they end up going to the bar. They all do end they up in a movie the theater, town. as we said. They want to watch yeah. Snow White. They love it. So they concoct a plan to blow up the whole movie theater. They love consuming. Yeah. 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 Dang. And then to get a Disney movie, to get the rights, there's a lot of movies in this movie. Yeah. To be fair, so to actually get a Disney classic in this horrible little monster. Well, I'm sure you guys uh, caught the reference when he, there's an E.T. reference when he says like phone home, right? Oh, yeah. Phone home caca and he pulls the phone line. But the only one who escapes is Stripe. Once they blow up the movie theater and then we have a little department store showdown, which is fun. Well, well, hold on. Hold on, Mike. We also get Zach Elgin's line. That's Stripe. He's the leader. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm, I don't know about that, but okay. Is that 80 yeah. yard? Did they have from the back it, of his head? It it feels like later they're like, one of these guys needs to be in charge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's the one with the distinctive mohawk, yes. of course. He's mm-hmm. out in the concessions getting candy because he wants some yum yums. Some yum yum. Yeah. That's right. He turns to the other guy and goes, yum yums. <laughs> I think yum yum is the plural in, in gremlin. There's no S's. That's, Just yum yum is the singular yum, and plural. Yum, yeah. Yum. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll eat anything. They'll eat glass. They'll eat chemicals. They don't like lettuce. Food. No. Yeah, they will drink chemicals. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they love it. They love it. So he's getting yum yum at the department store. And then, yeah, we have our pursuit. There's a lot of fun moments here. Uh, it, it escalates. It's like a baseball gun. Then a crossbow, then a chainsaw. But he's messing with the TVs and the radio at first. It's it's like a it's a neat yeah, little he's sequence. Chainsawing. Zach Galligan is holding this bat, a wooden bat, right? And Stripe is just chainsawing, trying to murder this guy. Uh, and then Gizmo kind of saves the day, right? Yes. Yep, because he watched a movie about racing cars, and a certain kind of guy needs a certain kind of dame, and something else like that. He's thinking of the movie quote. Yeah, he loves pop culture. Uh, and that's really the lesson from all this is that we should all be watching more pop culture <laughs> and imitating it in real oh, life. And yeah. You let him watch TV. Do you guys yeah. remember the Scooby Doo movie with the Matthew Willard one kind of ends with like the reveal that there's sort of these like giant rabbit monsters inside like everybody. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm. Was that the they, first one or the sequel? The first one. They kind of look like big gremlins i'm I'm seeing in my mind now truly just the the range of effect these guys had yeah right no but we do yeah so uh gizmo saves the day thanks to pop culture references um I, I guess originally uh billy was gonna pull the string so when the premiere came out because they restructured the end of the movie because they hadn't decided to make gizmo the hero to like partway through filming. So that's why he spends a lot of time in a backpack. It doesn't read to me like that when I watch it now, but if you think about no. it. No. Yeah. So, I, so in he, comparison, if you watch to the new batch, yeah. Gizmo's in it a lot more. Gizmo is technically the lead of the new batch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He gets top billing, I think. Yeah. I would um, say so. Zach Galligan reads that. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. So Zach Galligan didn't. It to Gizmo. 
I mean, he had no idea at the premiere that he that. didn't kill Stripe. He yeah. watched it for the first time at the premiere. Oh, and was wow. like, oh, that's right. I guess I got upstage. <laughs> and what, a, a but and what is your guy's relationship guy. to Hallie Mandel? It's his stand-up. Did you ever see the Not movie really. Little Monsters? <laughs> I saw Little um, Monsters. No. I've never seen Little Monsters. I've never seen his stand-up before. I never watched uh, You Make a Deal or deal whatever or no that's deal. called. Deal, deal or, or No Deal. deal. Yeah, the well, pyramid my, or whatever that was. Yeah, I'll drop this fun fact now, and maybe Mike, you might know this, or you guys mm-hmm. both might know this. <clears throat> so obviously, Howie Mandel, voice of Gizmo, Frank Welker, voice of Stripe. Oh, um, but did you know who does the other Gremlins? It's basically two people, and you know both of them. Huh. Uh, so Frank Welker, Megatron. We should say we covered before, and Stripe. Howie Mandel. As Gizmo, boy, who does the other gremlins? I don't know. I'll tell you, hmm. um, unless you want to guess or something. No, do we, um, do we have an associated film property or something? A TV show? Yeah, that it too might much give it clue? away a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, I'll say Police Academy. Oh, Steve Gutenberg? No, Michael Winslow. Oh, oh the, the bleach guy. Yeah, Gosh. Michael Winslow. Spaceballs himself. Michael <laughs> That's incredible. Winslow. And he then, does like, he's like making like them, like making little noises. I don't yeah. know. That's crazy. He's basically a comedian slash actor who's famous for sound effects. If you don't know who Michael Winslow is, Police Academy, Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would just be a guy who would come in and be like, boop, 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 and just like, yeah, make weird noises. Um, so he was wow. one. The other one. So we had Frank Welker, a stripe. It's Peter Cullen. Oh, I was okay. It's got to wow. be Optimus Prime, of Optimus course. Prime. It's got to be Peter Cullen. These so, guys are just getting each other jobs. I know? want no Transformers autographs. I want Gremlins autographs <laughs> instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, you remember when Stripe turns and says Megatron? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that if other one that Stripe. Yeah, it does. I get the the Megatron yeah. vibes from it because it's like I still Frank function. Yeah, now I wish he had a little Starscream gremlin. It was his lackey. Oh my God, Mike. Starscream, a little buddy, of course. No, yeah. Bumblebee, a little buddy, yeah. we yeah. should say. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, uh, I thought that was cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. There's, there's so much of um, little throwbacks and like references to other filmmakers. And like this is tied to so many uh, different things because of kind of the company that it keeps with, you know, the people behind totally. the scenes and in front of the camera. Spielberg, it's a, yeah. Like I said, I think it's a whole, it's a love letter to cinema and pop culture and yep. all the things that Spielberg and Dante are interested in. It's yeah. a classic. We don't do too much Spielberg on this. We obviously did the Jaws films yep. mm-hmm. uh, and talked a lot about that first one in particular, but I, I'm kind of proud of us for always kind of circling the universe without going to the obvious choice. And this again, it's like, I bet other podcasts have talked to E.T. to death. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, dudes, it's the holidays. I want to talk Gremlins. I'm fucking glad Jacob right. finally saw this movie. Yeah, I'm yeah. Glad too. I'm glad you guys recommended it. And Colin, I got some bad news for you. Next week, we'll oh, do no. the Fablemans. So get- oh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, but the, the uh, so get to the ending and a little, little wrap up here. That we, uh, Mr. Wing shows up and he says, you guys, you're not you're not responsible with this Mogwai. I'm taking you're not it back ready to handle this. Yeah. And it is interesting that it's the the grandson who takes the money. The grandson who's yes. more commercialized, yep. right? Like, oh, I, yep. I want the cash. Uh, well, but he speaks with an English uh, accent. He's Americanized, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. New York but he Yankees knows hat. like his grandfather's store. Like, you know, he's not doing great business. And we see in the sequel, like, you know, he's going out of business. Yeah. But the grandfather knows, like, oh, these these white people, they're not ready for Mogwais. Uh, but yeah. the grandson's like, 
hey, money, you know, take might that keep cash. the store afloat a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I want to I want to shout out uh, Mr. Wing here. It's, he's played by Key Luke, who is a pretty famous actor back in the day, especially a lot of early, you know, like Chinese characters. Someone had to do some of those roles, even if they're not the greatest. But he was kind of breaking through. He did a lot of poster work. He um, was the original Green Hornet. He was Kato in that series what? he uh he did the voice dub of the bad guy from enter the dragon with bruce lee he did the american dub for that uh he, he's done a ton of stuff and uh, he was even in uh an original star trek episode season three called whom the gods destroy and a very fun fact he was supposed to be dr noonian soong in the episode oh, wow. brothers oh. you're fucking kidding but he wow. was ill and unable to do it which is why noonian sung looks like data because they had to call an oh, audible but it was supposed to be our our good friend uh key luke wow. uh, mr Wing. i thought it was always just because right know, he modeled data after himself that's why yeah that and everything uh, that idiated from that wow would not exist wow. which means he and, wouldn't have the same star trek picard yeah no. and speaking of star trek mm-hmm. just want to mention the other reference obviously you have the music jerry goldsmith yes that's score. another mvp uh, jerry goldsmith famous for doing you know next generation theme and voyager theme and d space nine theme like all you know all this great star trek music bunch of other stuff obviously uh and then of course the other connection robert picardo of course from voyager yeah in the new from match. gremlins too amazing but, yeah. but uh yeah i i think um that soundtrack the goldsmith did i love it's called the gremlins rag i so, love this so catchy theme song yeah. for this. <laughs> it's incredible it's my yeah. favorite christmas song probably besides mariah you just know truly someone is being naughty if you are hearing it <laughs> yeah it's, I mean, it's a song for some shenanigans to be happening yeah. even the uh, gizmo theme that little you know, banana, you know, that's video. what I'm wondering. Did he write that as well? Gizmo's little melody. If I turned to you yeah. and said, you want to get up to some shenanigans and hit play. And that song started playing. You'd be like, the bar with six yeah. cigarettes <laughs> in your mouth, brother. <laughs> Let's yeah. fucking go. Let's, Let's go. eat after midnight. <laughs> Gotta get my trench coat. Um, yeah, I yeah, know that the, the score in this is really memorable. And like they work it in. And with with tact, like they'll bring themes in and out like you would hear in like a John Williams or Star Wars, like they'll they'll allude to it. They don't just go full hog and they'll bring in stems of it here and there. It's like two really memorable, uh, I think, kind of themes. So I don't know. I just think that deserves recognition. So thanks for shouting out the Jerry Goldsmith. Great, great composer. And I'm surprised they didn't even just go to John Williams with. But uh, yeah, with his connections to Spielberg and everything, you would think maybe too busy. Yep. Yeah. But I, I think that's a pretty good uh, discussion on Gremlins. Let's go ahead and run over to final thoughts. Uh, you know, head out of this inventors convention and get back home. <laughs> I got to get home. I'm turning down the money. My kids are more important. What happened here? The whole town's on fire and everyone's dead. Anyway, we'll be right back after this. Said the night wind to the little lamb. See what I see. See what I see. Way up in the sky, little lamb. Did you know there's like a bunch of cameos in that Inventors Convention scene, including like Spielberg and really? Yeah, yeah. Keep going with that. Let's bring it in there. That's great. That's great. And like they dressed up one guy to look like uh, Joe Dante because he would always wear like a, a. 
satin tie and a white shirt and sunglasses. Mm. So they had a guy mm. dressed up like him. We got the time machine from the time machine, you know, book. Right. And then the Robbie the Robot from Lost yes. Planet, uh, which is a classic side. And he's selling right. like oil. Would 60 gallons be sufficient? You know, he's like right. making deals on the phone. Very funny. And so, yeah. yeah. And like some of those people in the background, those are cameos. Like I said, Spielberg and uh, Jerry Goldsmith is the guy in the phone booth with like the bagpipes. If you remember that from that one scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. And there, yeah. I think there's maybe the guy at the gas station. He was like in the original thing from the fifties. Mm. So mm-hmm. there's like, they're throwing it way back. Um, which is cool. Yeah. Again, we love a love letter to cinema. Like we like Nope a lot. It's kind of a, yep. a modern, Definitely. you know, callback to all of these influences. So yeah, what a fun movie. Thanks for going what into the gremlin verse. Wonderful movie. We visited a small town. It's been torn apart. We're giving our final thoughts here, though. Before we go, um, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to jump in and say I love this movie. Growing up, I kind of would always mix up John Landis and Joe Dante. And now I feel really bad about that. Uh, Many (laughs) Mm. apologies to you, uh, Mr. Dante. But, you know, they were both, again, 50s nostalgia, worked on the Twilight Zone movie. That worked out better for one of them than the other, we'll say. Yeah. And made werewolf movies and, you know, just kind of lived in this sort of circle, uh, Howling versus American Werewolf in London. Um, Yeah. And I think Joe Dante is someone that people just kind of like leave behind now or like if you're not like a film nut, quote unquote, you just don't crack towards him. And he's like the greatest champion of cinema. He does those movie trailers from hell, uh, which is this entire network and sort of website that he runs and creates. It's a podcast as well. Uh, where basically he is just keeping Z grade films alive. He wants you to know, you know, every movie that existed. I can yeah. never remember the guy's fucking name, Jacob, but who's the producer who gave all these guys their shot. Uh, I was trying to ramble to you at, at a party about Roger this. Roger Corman. I said, Rod, Mike, Roger you Corman. just yeah, saved that. That's when right. I was, I'm at a party. I'm saying to Jacob and Dick Miller, he's got the same name as a guy <laughs> that he played in this other movie <laughs> produced by this guy who gave him all these jobs. And I can't remember any of the fucking names. And I'm losing <laughs> yep. it. Jacob's just nodding yeah. along. Roger, well, Roger Corman, Corman of yes. course, he is famous for B movies, but the, Godfather. The God of everyone. We're talking talk Carnosaur. Yes. Yeah. When even when James like Cameron started, uh, you know, working with Corman, produ- Boxcar Bertha, yeah. all that stuff. When mm-hmm. James Cameron is literally about to release a movie about water, Avatar Two: The Way of Water, which is literally on track to be the biggest movie of all time, you go, "Gee, I wonder what that guy's origins were." And you look at his first film, Piranha Two. By mm-hmm. Roger Corman, mm-hmm. a wet movie as well. And again, Jacob already said it. Who directed Piranha 1? Huh? Joe Ooh, Dante. Let, let's say his name. Joe motherfucking Dante. <laughs> yeah. So the world has worked out very differently for two different filmmakers. I guess I'll just say that. Joe Dante, mm-hmm. not getting a lot of checks from Disney to create, you know, five films in a franchise over a course of a decade. Unfortunately not. Nope. Um, yeah, he's like the guy that influenced a whole generation of filmmakers, never got really the credit that he deserved, mostly stuck to B-movies his whole career, uh, and continued to make movies for many, many years. And he would make movie with like the smallest budget possible. He, he just wanted to make movies. Now, again, yeah. who does that sound like that Jacob and I love and talk about all the time? This guy named 
John Carpenter, but mm-hmm. the bitterness of instead of going fuck the world, I'm only playing video games now. Joe Dante has never turned his back. He loves this. He directs TV. You know, he every once in a while, people just like genre stuff go like, and it's produced by Joe Dante because they just literally want to be able to say that. And that's Mm -hmm. fine if he's okay with that. I hope for more. Back in action. He made that because he's a huge Looney Tunes fan. Right. That's a per... That I might be, I'm doing a lot of Brendan movies right now because of the whale, and we know what's going on. Jacob, I think you just figured out what I'm watching tonight, having done Grand Ones yesterday. I that's think that's perfect. the perfect follow up here. Well, if, if I can then mention what I consider one of the best film trilogies, it's not a trilogy, it's all Joe Dante, and it's Gremlins 1, Gremlins 2, and Small Soldiers. Mm. They're very, very similar. Maybe that's what Capitalistic I'm doing tonight, bents, and I, I think they're thematically all linked and i love bill Small hartman Soldiers the dick too. miller of his day yeah yeah and we get kirsten dunst in that yeah i, I love uh small soldiers small is soldiers it, dennis leary is the I executive saw... in that yeah yeah so um dennis leary in a long time but small soldiers is a movie i watched when i was a kid thinking it was going to be like a toy story type of movie i was like oh, <laughs> just like gremlins <laughs> yeah this is not so for that's kids. How, that's how Joe Dante gets you. little grabbers, yeah. little buddies that little attack grabbers. you. Joe Dante. I'm interested <laughs> in little buddies that are good. Joe Dante's interested in little buddies that are bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's more fun. Yeah. So I shout out to Joe Dante. I think. Yeah. And, and yeah. even before I was aware of like directors. Right. And I, I just saw these movies as a kid. I didn't know Joe Dante did both Gremlins and Small Soldiers. I thought movies right. just. They, they popped out of a Period. postulate of some studio's yeah. back. They, they just, just existed. Yeah. 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 When you're but a kid, now, you think about the people behind the scenes. Make, you think no. the actors make them. I was like, Brendan Fraser's yeah. really good at movies. And it's like, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> but looking back, seeing how much Joe Dante was kind of one of the, probably the top five influential filmmakers, including, you know, like, a, you know, Jim Henson and, and Spielberg and stuff for me. Like, yeah, Joe Dante's up there because I watched this movie to death. And yeah, I like his style. Yeah. I like yeah, his Mike. Uh, He's Edge. I like his Edge. He's he's a. Mm-hmm. It's the most Ooh. emo Christmas movie, I guess. So I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Is. Last thing I want to say about it is the best line of the entire movie we didn't even mention is Mr. Wings says. Uh, the father says, "What is it?" Mr. Wings' response is a great responsibility or a terrible responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. With great sets up the entire thing. Great responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. One of our favorite things ever, Jacob posted this in our chat too, is the community parody directed by Rob Schraub, who's just a great visual artist, if you haven't seen it, called Portuguese Gremlins. Yes. It is Zizash Joshkabajishk, which is these little green monsters. And what are they? A terrible responsibility. And they have it's different rules. It's, it's yeah, so it's, good. You, it's great. A must watch for anyone if you have not yeah, seen that. Much like I love Gremlins. That's it. Um, I'll just say, you know, I agree with like everything you guys are saying. I'm glad that we're doing this episode so that I was able to watch Gremlins, a cultural blind spot for me for a long time, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love this movie. And like I said, the edginess of it, the subversiveness of it to take this like family friendly concept and be like, and then the little cute things turn into monsters and they do mischievous mischief. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> But it's great. And, um, you know, every frame of this movie, it's like you can tell it's made by someone who loves movies and loves entertaining people. And that's what every part of this movie is just they're trying to entertain you at all times. And 
It has a variety of different tones, like you said, and just it's just so good, you know. And it's, it's going to be like a, a holiday staple for me for now on that I'm going to be revisiting. Um, I was already talking to my sister, you know, when I go see my family for the holidays, it's like, I know she's never seen Gremlins. I know she doesn't even know what it's about. I'm going to be like, oh my let's God. sit down, watch this movie, and then just see her reaction uh, because she does not know you know, that they turn into monsters and stuff. So I'm going to, you're going to do the Santa monologue to her. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's kind of a, a gizmo only to... trailer with some heartfelt musical. Oh, right. off, as if that's it's how real. I'm going to get her in. I'm, you know, she's going to get suckered into it. No, it's like, cute. Oh, cute. Cute mm-hmm. little guys, little buddies. Yeah. Uh, and then she's gonna be like, Oh my God. So I'm going to love that. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun for me. I, I likely will watch it again too. When I go visit some family back home, it is a yearly staple, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's perfect. And I'm glad that you're going to put it on rotation. I think that's the highest compliment. I don't think we've had a bad word to say about it. I think everything holds no. up. Like, no. Period. I don't yeah. think there's anything that's... It's truly know, like it's one of those movies that's considered a classic nowadays for a reason. Like something like Back to the Future, like mm-hmm. E.T. We did Silence of the Lambs on this podcast. When, I, when yeah. we do these, I, we get very in our zone of being like, look... We know it's been spoken to death, but, and you can't but help but be complimentary. Yeah. yeah. Gremlins is a little underserved, I think, in the modern era. We were saying, yes. what, what happens next? There, set because a TV it disappeared. Show. Yeah. And you're doing and for a TV me, show. I didn't know, well, just, I didn't know how much was really in this movie. Like, I knew it was about little guys that monsters. I didn't they know there was mischief. the whole kind of uh, consumerism theme and all the movie references and stuff. Like there's so much going on in this movie beyond just the gremlins. And that's what I really loved about it. It's extremely dense. Um, yeah. And I, oh yeah, I did need to underline this. I'm glad I remembered. So Phoebe Cates, that's a dark part. But at the end of the movie, when we have the whole family together, when Mr. Wing's going to come pick up Gizmo, she's wearing a Christmas sweater, which to me indicates she she's learned to embrace part of Christmas, which she rejected right. for the whole film. So she kind of has an arc, too. Yeah, <laughs> but killing with little buddies <laughs> by facing more trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, murdering things. But yeah, to do the cartoon or animated series for kids, it's like kids have no nostalgia for this because they have no idea what a gremlin is. So I don't know who that's for. HBO's doing right. it, but I don't know. It's, it's probably for succeed. people in their, you know, mid 30s that saw it when it first came out and, 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 you know, as kids and liked it. So it's kind of another nostalgia property for aging millennials or I would hope it's a merchandise grab that they just see what baby Yoda's doing. And they're like, can we just like move some gizmos? Like what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd much rather have a gizmo, but uh, absolutely. And even, even, even ET gets a better, rap of you know current day than gremlins does i feel like it's talked about more you know with spielberg directed and everything and everyone knows who et is i don't feel like everyone knows who who gizmo is and who the gremlins are yeah so this year when you gather around with your family instead of arguing about geopolitics and this and that <laughs> argue about why gremlins doesn't get more credit okay and joe yeah, Dante as well <laughs> that's right and all the people you know it's trendy to say die hard oh that's is it a christmas movie is it not gremlins that's the real underrated christmas week so put that on this holiday season you're gonna love it make your tradition and let us know if you do let us know if you already have yes yeah please because this is one of my absolute favorites and it's been a pleasure talking to you guys
Hit us up at normies underscore like underscore us. Let us know your Christmas movie lists. Let us know if this is on there. What you think about gremlins. Come on. We want to know how fast you would turn one of these little suckers into a monster. Um, if you had a Furby right in. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you can list other good little buddies, because as these guys were talking, I realized Abu from Aladdin, the ultimate little oh, buddy. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely, he was, yeah. He was maybe my first, maybe my introduction to he little buddies. He gets into a little bit of mischief, too, though. <laughs> yeah, anything <laughs> with a monkey that, like, does stuff little. for yeah, yeah. yeah. When a, mainly monkeys are little buddies. <laughs> a a, a per, pernicious scamp. So yeah. A bird can be one. <laughs> the more I feel like the more mammalian and the more yes human like they are, the more little buddy. They but are. but mm-hmm. also the more dependent on your shoulder they are. Gizmo's dependent on that shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> little, you want yep. it to ride around on your shoulder. Yes, that's, that's, that's the dream. At the very yeah. least a backpack like Yoda. That's an old oh buddy. salacious crumb, a little buddy, but not one I would <laughs> he's like want. a bad little. Buddy. He's he's a gremlin. <laughs> he would hang out with the gremlins. Yeah, he'd have he's to he's a gremlin. Yeah, dude. If they he's invited him, watching Snow White, he's like, yeah. yo, gremlins, come up to Jabba's palace. We get wild out here. <laughs> We're fucking tearing this place apart. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm like popular yeah, here. Music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the modal nodes, baby. Well, that one. Who likes the jazz he'd be like this is good jizz yeah yeah <laughs> incredible um, they could be from space they got to join the senate you know i'm telling you could be That's it's all right. tied together bring it back around in my mind you know what films are actually tied together <laughs> this film and they live because they're huh. so both so anti-consumerism you yeah. could tell me the they live aliens were like and we also dropped off a couple fucking mogwais <laughs> like, yeah. yeah that makes sense sure <laughs> and a small town on the way over yeah yeah if only they have one Christmas tree and they live, we might have a, a great double yes, feature. <laughs> we, we, we'd be able to talk about it. But we are going to be that. talking some good Christmas stuff coming up. Now, obviously, there's some new releases, too. We're figuring it out. But be on the lookout. Our schedule is going to be good. And then we are taking a little bit of a break at the end of the year. Right. Yeah. And to really tie everything together, you know, Salacious Crumb and the Gremlins hanging out in Jabba's Barge, you know, we... Uh, going to be talking about you know how do they celebrate christmas in a galaxy far far mm-hmm. away you know so well i'm not sure if we'll be celebrating christmas mike as much as maybe life day that's perhaps? true life day you're i got my life day orb <laughs> you know ready to go so but if you're expecting it you know star trek we're taking a break from star trek this yes month, but we might be staying in the stars for that's a little right. celebration mm-hmm. that's right All right, so be on the lookout for that coming up. And like we said, at normies underscore like underscore us, and check us out on YouTube as well. That's right. Otherwise, we've been your hosts. This is, uh, I'm going to call myself like the the Kremlin. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just go Michaelin. We'll just do that. Yeah, there we go. This is Gizmo. (laughs) (laughs) Tickle me, Gizmo. Oh, jeez. Another big Tickle me, Elmo. (laughs) A little buddy, probably. They could have had a... Don't get me what Gizmo, yeah. <laughs> Don't feel hey, do, do you think Gizmo's OCD like uh, the guy who plays him, and that's why he doesn't want to be wet? In Gremlins <laughs> too, he's know. very averse to water. <laughs> he hates yeah. it. All right, don't shake his hand, guys. Deal or no deal. Uh, and if you Merry get the Mogwai let, you're gonna have to deal with it. Merry Christmas. Happy Ka-ka. holidays, normies. Bye. Happy normie days. My name is Gandalf the Grey, 
and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools!